When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome to the latest episode of the Inside Brockle podcast. I'm your host, Elliot Jackson. I'm joined, as always, by Ryan Hildred. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm very well, thanks, Elliot. I am all good, buzzing after a great weekend result. And um, yeah, life is fine today. How are you doing? Yes, I'm good. Um, I've been to the dentist this morning, so hopefully I sound okay. But if I slightly slur my words, you'll know why, because I'm still a little bit numb in the bottom left of my face at the moment. But hoping that will uh, definitely have worn off before I speak to Yondal Thomason late this afternoon, or he'll think that something very bad has happened to me in the space of 48 <laughs> hours. But yeah, great week for Rovers. Long day, of course, on Saturday, travelling to West London and back. Um, I think I left my house at nine and got in at 10. So they're always long days, but made so much better when you get three points in the manner of the performance as well, which we'll come on to. But we need to start at the beginning of the week, Ryan, as we round up and the victory over Blackpool on Tuesday night, which feels a lifetime ago now, six days on. Um, important to build on the momentum of Swansea, of course, beating them 1-0 the weekend before. And they started the game miles better. We spoke on the podcast and said that they needed to be more front-footed. They needed to have a much better first half than they did against Swansea, where they were poor and then improved second half. Better tempo from the start, I thought, um, creating opportunities. And the the win, what turned out to be the winning goal was really, really well worked. It was a lovely move. I think Callum Britton deserves a lot of credit for his role, where he's quite well-pressed in down that left channel, Rovers left. And he does really well to turn his man with a lovely little ball roll, gets it into the middle to JRC, who obviously plays central midfield. Brilliant crossfield switch over to Sorber Thomas. And he finds Tyrese Dolan with a really good first-time finish. And we've, there's been a lot of discussion with Blackburn about style of play, playing out from the back. It's it's always a an interesting topic amongst supporters um, when teams do it. And I think we're qu- quite quick as media and, and also as supporters to point it out when it goes wrong. But that was a real evidence of it going right and Blackburn scoring a goal directly from that philosophy, which obviously they has had drilled into them on the training ground. Yeah, you're right. Um, first and foremost, but we do play out from the back. It makes me nervous. It makes everyone nervous. You're, you're absolutely right to highlight that. But um, Callum Britton, I'm pleased that you've raised that because I think for that to work, you have to be brave, don't you? Brave on the ball. And he took a really brave decision. People could say it was a bit naive, a bit stupid had it not come off. But to do that type of turn, that just opened everything up. So his role in that goal cannot be understated. And then it's bravery in two counts from there, isn't it? The first bit of bravery, JRC, outside of the boot. Out you mean Cafu? Thomas. <laughs> eh? You mean Cafu? Cafu, yeah, Cafu, of course, as he's now known. But that outside of the boot pass, just to hang it out to Sorba Thomas, who, <laughs> when he's first playing that pass, JRC, I'm like, who the hell is he passing this to? And Thomas had just blended into the crowd. He was so <laughs> wide on, on that wing. And then it's bravery to get into the box, isn't it? So Travis, I think the pass from Sorba Thomas is meant for Travis. But I, I also think that, and I did point that out on the night, but I, d- I don't want to take away from it. Uh, you know, I don't want to sound no. negative, but yeah, I also think it was for Travis. 
Yeah, so it's bravery from Travis to burst into the box, but then also bravery from Ty Dolan. He's busting a gut to get into that box, and what a finish from him when it comes. So a lovely goal all round, which, as I say, has just got all those smatterings of bravery attached to it. So that's when passing out from the back works well. Uh, we will celebrate it when it does, but I'm still going to be having the old heart going... Um, 10,000 beats a minute when we do keep doing that playing out from the back because it's clearly a philosophy that JDT wants to play, isn't it? Yeah, Thompson does speak about bravery all the time. Like when Blackburn haven't played that well or haven't moved the ball quick enough, he does speak about bravery all the time and that that's what it has has to be. And it's a fine line if Calumbrian gets tackled, you know, they've, they've got a good opportunity to get a shot on goal. He doesn't, it's a, it's a really good piece of play and really opens the pitch up. And I thought... Blackburn got stronger as the game went on, which is really good because I think a lot of times when Rovers have gone ahead, they've tended to, particularly around sort of the hour 65, 70 minute mark, start to then retreat, you know, go backwards, try and defend what we have. But in fairness, I actually thought Rovers got better as the game wore on, which hasn't always been the case. As I said, they did have other big chances to, to seal the win. There was a good opportunity for Sam Gallagher, but he kind of fluffed his lines and dragged his shot wide. And then a really good opportunity for Tyler Morton, who come on off the bench and he, he just sort of dinked it over the legs of Chris Maxwell, but just wide of the post. So if you're being... The only criticism really from that performance was not putting the game to bed. And Yondal Thompson said exactly that after the match. Um, I, it does have to be said Blackpool offer very little. They are a very, very poor side. They are up there with Huddersfield in terms of the worst teams I've seen at Ewood this season. And Hartlepool, if you can count them in the, the Carabao Cup. But you can only beat what's in front of you. And Rovers have done a really good job of doing that generally at Ewood Park this season. 13 clean sheets is a brilliant effort as well um, for the season. And you have to say Ainsley Pears again was faultless. I thought Dom Hyam was really, really good. Uh, he's had a really good week again playing on that left side. I think he's probably slightly more comfortable on the right. So to adapt to, to that and the way you move your body and things like that, I don't think it can be understated. I think it probably goes under the radar how difficult it is to swap sides of a, a, in a back four. So I think he's had a really good week. I thought Callum Britton was excellent in his first 90 minutes. Um, after obviously coming back from injury, he spoke to us in the media after the match, and that was a really good interview where he spoke all about you know the mental health side of being out for. Well, he described it as three and a half months because obviously there was the World Cup break beforehand, so you don't play for four weeks, and then literally seven minutes into the first game back, the Preston game, he, he does his knee and out for two and a half months. So that was a really good interview. Go and check that out on Lanks Live if you've not read that from last week, or just type into Google. Um, and I thought he was excellent as well. So. A really, really good effort. And I suppose it was one of them where a night that could have gone wrong and, and Rose just ticked off every box. Clean sheet, home win, created good chances, played well and, and just got the job done, really. Yeah, they did. And you're right to reflect that the only blot on the copybook is that it was just 1-0. You know, 1-0 doesn't matter who you are. You can be world champions and 1-0 is a dangerous lead in football because all that takes is one corner, keeper goes up, chaos happens in the box or whatever, and 1-0 becomes 1-1. However, what I will say is such was the manner of the performance from Rovers. It was so dominant. We look really assured. Like we've seen this season, 1-0 is a safe bet for Rovers this season. So it's just anxious fans, superstitious fans like myself that get nervous on a 1-0 victory. Clearly, the players don't. They're quite comfortable seeing that type of victory out. But you're right. It would have been nice to have, you know, 2 or 3-0 just to have something to show for, for the dominance. And... Um, just on the mental health thing that you said about JRC, you know, it's easy to forget how young this squad is and the pressures that they're dealing with. You know, I'm in my mid-30s now. There's no way I could have carried the pressure that some of these lads do. You know, Ty Dolan's, what, 20, 21, JRC, early 20s. You know, these are 
are young lads who are carrying, you know, a lot of weight on their shoulders. They're carrying the the pressure that this fan base is placing upon them because we all have that desire to get back to where we think we belong, which is the Premier League. And there's loads of stuff that's happened off the pitch through no fault of their own. So I'm really pleased you've highlighted that because I think sometimes we can forget that. You know, they're not robots. They are just young lads. So, you know, hats off, Elliot, for for getting that into front and centre with that interview. Yeah, it was really good and credit to Callum Britton as well for, for wanting to speak about it and, and being pretty honest about it. So that was that was really good. Obviously, that move Rovers back into the top six and just lifted the optimism ahead of a trip to Queen's Park Rangers, which we previewed, would it be Neil Critchley? Would it be Gareth Ainsworth? Would it be a new manager? Turned out to be Gareth Ainsworth, which gave us lots of good narrative with all the, uh, the pre-match talk about him being a boyhood Rovers fan. I have to say one of my favourite moments, just jumping ahead slightly from the weekend, was the Rovers fans singing Gareth Ainsworth, he's one of our own. That that was absolutely <laughs> brilliant at 3-1 up. Uh, really enjoyed that. And QPR was a, a really fantastic performance, right? It has to be said. The second half was up there with one of the best sets of 45 minutes I think Blackburn have played this season. They just controlled the game from that second half, from minute 45 to, to minute 93, I think it was in the end. It was a really mature performance, which I think maturity is something we want to see this Rover side progressing and it's only going to happen with experience because it is such a young squad and they started brightly got themselves ahead with a, a nicely worked goal lovely switch from JRC not the first time we'll be talking about him in this match um, Dolan obviously drives there's a touch of fortune with the way the shot flicks up and, and lands quite nicely for Gallagher to head in but again he's a striker that's not scored I think it was 16 games he was at now, uh, at this point so it's quite easy to, you know, start dragging yourself into the channels or start coming towards the ball. But he needs to stay in the six-yard box, and that's where he was. And ultimately, it was a poacher's goal to to get him off the mark for the first time since October, which is great for Rovers to see. You know, I really think Sam Gallagher can be an asset at championship level if you play to his strengths. If you play him down the middle, if you get players in and around him and you play good balls in behind, he's got the athleticism to stretch defences. And he just needs good service and he just needs confidence. I do think he's quite a confidence player. I think we saw that by the fact he'd not had a great start to the season, although he was shunted out to the right-hand side. Then he scores something like five goals in four games. Then he goes 16 games without a, uh, without a goal. So we're now hoping that the brace he got at the weekend will give him that platform to really go on a, a concerted run. Yeah, I'm delighted for Sam Gallagher. And I think you're right about the central area as well. Um what I will say, I don't think Gallagher is the best at holding the ball up and doing the physical side of the game, like what we've seen Danny Graham do in the past. I think that's I would agree with that, you. that Sam Gallagher does need to work on. However, with the players that we've got in those wide areas now, you know, we've just brought in Sorba Thomas in January, JRC down that right-hand side now. There's no reason why Sam Gallagher needs to play wide for me now. As you say, keep him in that box. And those two goals are exactly the types of goals that I want Sam Gallagher scoring. I don't necessarily want him driving from the right-hand side and playing a one-two with someone then banging it in. Those two goals are perfect for me. Poacher in the box for that first one, as you say, anticipating that deflection. Second one, hanging at that back stick. It's actually... If you look really at good, it, it's good movement, isn't it? It probably goes movement. under the radar because of the skill beforehand, brilliant but it's really movement. good movement to peel off his man. Totally, exactly that. That's exactly what I was going to say. So those two goals, you know, I love Sam Gallagher's goal last season against Middlesbrough. Probably my favourite Sam Gallagher goal he's ever scored. However, these two that he scored this weekend, that's exactly what, what we want to see from him. So brilliant, brilliant from him. Absolutely. And if we go back to, obviously, the 1-0 up, 
the equaliser came 10 minutes later. It, it probably was a little bit sloppy. I think it's probably one of the first moments in it probably for a good month where we could say Hayden Carter probably should do a little bit better to get more on it. So it's not a great clearance. Good finish by Aerobinum 12 yards out. And QPR probably probably shaded the remainder of the first half for the next 20 minutes. There was I say shaded. There was nothing in it, really. Nobody created a big chance. Pears wasn't overly tested. Neither was... Um, neither was Sebi Dieng in the QPR goal. It was more just territory and more a bit of momentum. They're going to have the crowd up on them. It's it's Ainsworth's comeback. Thompson spoke about that a lot and about dealing with the atmosphere, dealing with the energy in the stadium. And they score the second goal at the perfect time to get themselves back in front just before half time. I'd already written out my little summary of the half at one all, so I had to rewrite that, but for good reasons. And it's a sensational assist again from Lewis Travis brilliant, brilliant vision and, and technique and execution. And I think we need to highlight that because Travis is probably someone where we're all quick to praise his off-ball work, his energy, um, his tenacity, those sort of skills. But perhaps sometimes it's commented that technically or, or on the ball, he's not the most progressive passer or he sometimes gives the ball away. But he showed really good quality to thread that ball. It was a pass that I don't think many pit players saw. And to get the weight, to manage to get it round the defender and give Smodics a chance to get to it before Semi Dien comes rushing out. It's a really, really good pass, really good piece of play. And it's a really good finish from Smodics as well to stick it through the keeper's legs. And I think on Smodics, I think he deserved a goal this week. He's had a big, you know, big shoes to step into. Bradley Dack is obviously the 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 god of Ewood Park. He's now out for an extended, you know, for for at least a month. So coming back in, there's big expectation. Dak's been playing so well, he's a fan's favourite. And I have to say, I think Smodix has had a really good week and he does offer a lot of good qualities. It's just you would like to see him be a little bit more creative, a little bit more... Um, take a few more risks, I think, maybe, as if you're going to play as that number 10 like like Daki does. But this week he's been really good. There's no doubt he absolutely works his, his knackers off every single game when he's on the pitch. He does so well off the ball. I can see why Thompson likes him from that point of view. And he's a really likable character. He's brilliant to interview. He's one of my favourite players to interview. I think he speaks really well. And you want players like that to do well. And it wasn't a foregone conclusion he was going to come in and have a great week. It, it, you know, it actually went under my radar that he hadn't started a championship game since Preston before the Tuesday night game against Blackpool because of injury and because Dak's obviously been playing in his position for the last few months. So, Really good from him. And we need more players to come in and take responsibility, put the hand up and say, I'm going to score the goals. Ben Brereton Dowes is probably not going to be a Blackburn Rovers player next season. This week has showed a good glimpse that this team actually can still score goals and win games without him. Dolan stuck his hand up in midweek. Gallagher and Smodix did at the weekend. And I think that's going to be crucial for Blackburn looking into next season as well. Although obviously still aspirations to make sure that this season ends with them in the Premier League. Yeah, just on both of those things that you've said there. So if we take Smodic first, you know, I've been critical of JDT this season with some of the on-pitch stuff in particular, you know, the stuff that he does in game and, you know, the chances that we haven't created, all those things, you know, I've said before. The thing that you can't label against JDT, though, is is what he's got going through that squad. Because as you say, for Smodic not to start a game, and if I was Smodic, I'd be feeling pretty hard done by because... I actually started the season really well, if I'm Sam Smodic. He got a goal um, early on at Ewood. He was keeping Bradley Dack out of the side, etc., etc. To have not started a game for that long, you could mope and you could feel sorry for yourself and you could think, why the hell have I come here? Why have Rovers spent two and a half million on me? All those things. But clearly, the stuff that JDT is doing off the pitch 
is keeping these players hungry. And it's not just Smodic. I'm sounding like a broken record now. We've seen it with the other players who are coming in. Ainsley Pears, JRC, Hayden Carter. It's a running theme of this squad. So this is one thing I won't criticise JDT for because he is keeping that squad fresh, hungry and wanting it when they get their chance. You'd have to say as well, Lewis Travis, who obviously was out of the team in December and January, and he's come back. His form has been miles better since he's come back in the team. And he was struggling. You know, he was having a dip in form, not just the Preston game, which is the one that led to him, but he wasn't playing brilliantly before the international break either. So he's another one. You'd have to say every player that's dipped out, and don't forget, a lot of these, not just not in the team, had to go play with the under-23s. And some players will sulk, some players will do that. We've not had an inch of that in the Blackburn Rover squad, so credit Mm. to them for that. But every player that's had a spell out has generally come back and done better for it. So you have to, as you say, man management from Yondal Thomason and the messages he's been sending through the media all, all this season has been that. But it's one thing to say it, to get your senior players to buy into it, which they quite clearly have, deserves some credit. Yeah, it does. And, and Lewis Travis is the case in point there, isn't he? And um, just on that Smodic goal, um, you know, one of the things that I think we have struggled with this season is that creativity in those central midfield areas. John Buckley is a talented, gifted technical footballer, but I want to see a bit more from him in terms of creating those chances and threading those passes through. If I'm delighted at Sam Gallagher's two goals because they're strikers' goals, I am absolutely ecstatic that Lewis Travis has found that pass in his locker If he can do that as well, and we've got John Buckley and Lewis Travis both doing that, who knows if Lewis O'Brien still might come. If we've got some creativity in that central midfield areas, Sam Smodic, Ty Dolan, they're the types of players that can make those runs and get on the end of that type of stuff. That turns a nil-nil into the famous 1-0 for Rovers that we've seen this season. So that could be crucial for us. And yeah, hats off to Travis. He's carried a lot of pressure this season. People have questioned whether he should be captain, particularly when he was out of the side. So to come back and respond in the manner that he has, brilliant, brilliant from him. And then the icing on the cake. We've got to talk about it, that (laughs) third goal. Joe Rankin-Costello, the poor lad's got a family. Absolutely sensational piece of skill. And we interviewed JRC after the match, uh, which is the first time us as external media have spoken to him. He's done a little bit with Rovers TV since he came back in, but first time we've spoken to him and, he was really honest, and he said, um, again, interviews available on Lax Live that are put up on Sunday if you want to go and have a read in full, but he was talking about the fact that he was going going to, you know, it was 90% he was going to go out on loan in January. He, he also had a summer, he had a low move lined up in the summer window on deadline day, which collapsed, um, which has been well documented. And he said that he always had a faith in his ability. He said his training levels were still really high, but even he thought he would go on and, and do well, but not for this team. He thought it would be somewhere else if he was being completely honest. And it was a little bit of a I'll show you mentality. And I said to him, that's a that's a good thing, though. And he completely agreed. And I think you don't want players to be happy that they're not playing. You want players to have a little bit of anger and be like, I'm going to show you you've got this decision wrong. And if they channel that, obviously, in the right way, which all these players have, you suddenly get a hungry, competitive squad ready to prove their point. And his transformation from, let, let's not forget, right, he got subbed off on the 27th of August against Stoke City at half-time, he was, he was poor in that half, it has to be said. He didn't play another championship minute until the 17th of December because Callum Britton got injured and I think Hayden Carter was out injured as well. So they didn't have a right-back. Since then, he has started every single game apart from one, which was Blackpool because of injury. And he has been absolutely sensational. The way he's adapted to this hybrid role where 
Basically, if you watch Manchester City, it's the exact same where he starts as an auxiliary right back, moves into the centre of the pitch and they become more of a back three off the ball with the left back tucking round as a left-sided centre half. Mm. And the passes he's playing is phenomenal. It was his switch that opened the play up for Dolan to set up the first goal for Gallagher at QPR. It was his switch, obviously, um, against Blackpool, which created the opener. And it was interesting, he was asked about could he play central midfield? And he was explaining that if he played central midfield, he would have a man up his backside every time he receives the ball. The fact that he's starting as a right-back and drifting in field, the wingers aren't going to follow you. So you're free, essentially. And it's obviously a lot easier to play these good passes and, and have the freedom um, and creativity if you're not marked. That's that's obvious for whoever you are. So it's working really well, that that role. And the quality showing is, is phenomenal. To, to pull off that turn, he said himself, nine times out of ten, it won't come off, but he was trapped and it was sensational. It just sums up the confidence he's playing with at the moment. And he's for me, he's the first name on the team sheet at the minute. He's absolutely undroppable and he's been sensational. And and he's a really good lad. He's a Blackburn Rovers homegrown player, which always makes you want them to do well as well. And suddenly we've got a lot of competition because Callum Britton has been playing really well. Suddenly Harry Pickering has been playing really well. He's got to get his shirt back. It's the perfect story to hold up to any young player. You know, my son, who's 10 years old, you know, it's one that I could show to him. This is what happens when you just knuckle down and get on with things, even when things aren't going your way. You know, JRC has had some bad injuries over mm. the last few years. You know, he's really struggled. That does affect confidence. That does affect momentum and, you know, just feeling like you're on it as a footballer. These are all things that just seem to have come at the wrong time for JRC and stunted his progress. He's always been technically a gifted footballer. From the moment I saw him, he could clearly play, you know, out of the same class as John Buckley, for example, that type of, of technically gifted footballer. But the thing I always struggled with was, what's his position? Where is he going to play? Because he didn't feel like he was good enough to play in a front three. and attack A little bit of way. a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. That's it. So if right back is his position for the reasons that you've just identified there, that he's not got the central midfielder up his backside and he can influence the play that way, then so be it. Um, because I think the modern way of playing football these days anyway, where right backs, you know, someone like Juan Bissaka for Man United, that's a traditional right back, isn't it? Someone who's yes. tough to get past and solid. Actually, you can get away with that these days because right backs are part of your attacking threat. So if that's his position then so be it. I'm perfectly happy with it. And do you know what? He absolutely deserves everything he's getting at the moment, JRC, because, you know, psychologically dealing with the fact that the club whose academy you've come through is about to let you go out on loan in January, that hurts. Probably going to be going to someone in League One, maybe even League Two on the basis mm -hmm. of his form. That also hurts. So for him to just get on with things and take advantage of Callum Britton's injury in the way that he has... Hats off to JRC, and I just hope and pray, please give me the good news, Elliot, that he's on some form of long contract or we've got him tied down in some way because that would be galling for him to just go on and on and on and on and then we lose him on a free like we've done with others. So it's quite interesting with contracts. So they've got a few in 2024 that are out of contract. I did try and broach the subject with um, Thomason on Friday before in the pre-match press conference about Ayala and Dak because obviously Ayala's out for eight weeks, which we've not spoken about yet, which is a blow. Dak's obviously out of contract as well, although Blackburn have got the option to extend that by a further year. And I did get the usual, you'll have to ask Greg about that, even though I, I, I phrased the question as, I know Greg will take the lead on this, but when do you get involved? What influence do you have on this? And he said, you'll just have to ask Greg. So I'm hoping we'll get another opportunity to speak to Greg 
when the Lewis O'Brien saga finally concludes itself. Um, in terms of 2024, so Joe Rankin Costello's out of contract in 2024. Hayden Carter's out of contract in 2024. We interviewed Hayden Carter on uh, Monday last week before the Blackpool game, which I haven't had a chance to write up. I did ask him about his future then, and he said he would love to sign a new deal at Rovers and get himself committed. That's a piece I haven't written yet, so that'll be going up on the website in the next week or so when we haven't got a game every two seconds. Um, <laughs> so he's out of contract. Dolan's out of contract, but again, they've got the option on Dolan for an extra year. He's 2024. And I think those are sort of the main ones, the ones that are in form anyway. So in fairness to Rovers, since Greg Broughton's come in, they've been very proactive about getting players tied down. Yeah. That's slightly dropped off in the last few months, but we're at a crucial point of the season where ultimately players might equally be saying, I'll wait a few months, thank you very much, because if we're a Premier League club next season, suddenly I can ask for an extra 20% on top of my wage. So I don't know why that is. I don't know the club aren't trying to pursue that. But yeah, JRC, Dole and Carter would be somewhere you'd be certainly looking between now and the end of the season or certainly early on in the summer to get them tied down because they've done that with Adam Wharton. They did it with John Buckley. And they did it with a few others that I'm forgetting off the top of my head because September Kaminsky's feels like that. didn't he, as well? Kaminsky's. Yes, exactly. So, uh, and Phillips, of course, as well. So, they, oh, Pears as well. Pears is out of contract in 2024. So, I wouldn't be, I'd be intrigued what happens with Pears because if you were Ainsley Pears, I'd want to see what happens when Kaminsky comes back because I think he's proven to himself as much as anything. He's good enough to be a number one at championship level. Um, so, it'll be interesting to see what happens when, when Kaminsky's back after the international break, who he sticks with. Because if I was Pears, I don't think I'd be committing to a new deal until I saw... I think I'd wait to see where the summer is. And I think in the summer, he's either going to sign a new deal or he'll probably leave to go and play regularly because I wouldn't want to go back onto the bench after the form I've displayed with that sort of run. So yeah, contracts is an interesting one. Um, I know that, as say, Carter said that he absolutely wants to sign a new deal. We didn't ask JRC, to be fair. We got lots of topics to, to go in with him at the weekend. And it's a bit more relaxed when you're doing pre-match rather than post-match. So certainly something that's going to be interesting to watch over the next few weeks. And yeah, they need to get these players tied down because all of a sudden they're they're before, they're being the bedrock of this this team that's playing so well. And actually, the names that you've listed there, you know, let's not just get all excited just because these players are in form. Actually, two months ago, even as as soon as that, you know, JRC, Pears, Carter might actually have been players that fans would have been happy to see, you know, if you had to rank order everyone that you wanted to sign a contract. Yeah, yeah. Those three would probably be towards the bottom of that list two months ago. So it's the fact that they're now playing themselves into form and and that, that all of a sudden it looks like, oh my God, they've not signed. They've all got resale value as well. So even if they did Mm. sign new contracts and and it didn't work out, they're they're all young players that have got resale value. So it's not as much of a gamble as someone like Ayala, for example, who if he was in really good form and everyone's saying, give him a new deal. You've got to weigh that up because obviously his injury record, his age, lack of resale value. Whereas if they do tie these players down and it doesn't work out, they can at least sell them for some money. And it's, I think it's the academy thing that just makes me the most anxious because I think the lifeblood of our future going forward, which I'm sure Greg Broughton is all over, is the fact that we have got to every now and again sell an academy prospect for some good money, like what Middlesbrough have done really well in the past. You know, Jed Spence was their latest one last season. We have to do yeah. that. We have to trade our players well and we have to sell someone every now and again just to meet those even tighter FFP regulations that are coming our way. So... If we were to lose ranking Costello and Carter on freeze against the backdrop of losing Nyambi, losing Lenehan, you know, that's four academy lads who were getting nothing for. 
bringing Joe Rothwell and Brereton Diaz into that as well. You know, this is, you know, that's that would make me nervous and anxious. So I really hope we can get these academy lads tied down sooner rather than later. Yeah, totally. Just rounding up on the QPR game, just again wanted to emphasise such a, a really mature, controlled second half performance. To go 3-1 up on the hour against a QPR side that, yes, one win in 18, but were completely buoyed by the fact they got their new manager f- through the door and there was no sign of, um, of of trouble, really. There was one header from Adoma which pairs saved comfortably and that genuinely was it. And the game just petered out to a really comfortable 3-1 win. There was a Olays in the away end, some good chance about Gareth Ainsworth being a Rovers fan as well. So a really, really enjoyable day. And, and equally, it shouldn't go under the radar that they've done that without the spine of their team. You know, Thomas Kaminsky, Daniel Ayala, Scott Wharton, Harry Pickering, Bradley Dack, Brereton Diaz. None of them got on the pitch. Obviously, Pickering and Diaz were on the bench, but Thomason didn't need to use them. So credit where credit's due, a really, really good performance and probably, as I say, one of the strongest 45 minutes of the season. Yeah, totally. And every championship game away from home in particular is tough. You know, it doesn't matter, you know, who they are. As we said last week, we could make cases for QPR with Neil Critchley being tough because they haven't won in so long and then Rovers rock up and we lose. You know, we've spoken about that at length. So there was always going to be an element of response from QPR. And the fact that we stood up so well after their equaliser, rode that wave and then even bettered that with that goal just before half time. You know, that's brilliant. And um, to then just see the game out in that second half in the manner we did, that's what makes it such an impressive performance that we just took the whole heat out of that situation. Those QPR fans, they were begging for the change for Neil Critchley to go. They would have been delighted with Gareth Ainsworth coming in. When that equaliser goes in, they're thinking, right, here we go. The Gareth Ainsworth era is up and running. So for us to deal with all of those things and dispatch of QPR in that second half really comfortably, that's what makes this such an impressive away performance, particularly against the backdrop of those awful away performances that I've spoken about. To do this one so convincingly, hats off to him. So, Ryan, it's another two-game week coming up. Leicester City on Tuesday night in the FA Cup fifth round, and then Sheffield United come to Ewood Park on Saturday. We'll look, of course, at Leicester City first. In some ways, a free hit, because obviously playing a Premier League team, Cup isn't the priority compared to the league form. But I think they'll go to the King Power Stadium with a lot of confidence. They've obviously beaten West Ham, which was a big scalp in the Carabao Cup. And Leicester... You know, they've had patches of good form, but they've had patches of really awful form as well. And it'll be interesting to see what they do with team selection. I think they'll go quite strong. I don't think Rovers will make that many changes because I think Thomason will want to pay it some respect. There's two and a half thousand away fans plus going on uh, Tuesday night, which is a fantastic effort. Looking forward to seeing that away end and hearing it in full voice. And equally, they've got a lot of injuries, so there isn't a lot of room for manoeuvre, even if he wanted to. In terms of perhaps team selection... Maybe Ash Phillips comes in. He, he obviously came on for the last like 30 seconds at the weekend and Thomason has been speaking about giving him some opportunities. I wonder if it, maybe he comes in for Carter and plays alongside Hayam. I think that... I don't think Callum Britton will play because he's obviously played two lots of 90 minutes in a week yeah. after a long spell out. So I think you're looking at Pickering, maybe Eden, although Eden seems, along with Clinton Muller, to be the forgotten men. I did ask about them last week and Thomason says they're available if they need them, so... It'll be interesting to see if Pickering's if Pickering's available and he feels he's fit to start. I think Pickering will come in at left back. If not, maybe Eden. 
And then maybe Morton comes in for one of the central midfielders and, and hedges in on the right for Sober Thomas, who is cup-tied. But apart from that, of course, Ben Brereton Diaz is suspended as well, should say that. I don't think they'll change too much. So you're looking at, what, Pears, JRC, maybe Phillips, Hyam, Pickering, Morton for Travis or Buckley. I think you can take your pick, really, maybe Buckley. Hedges, Smodix, Dolan and, and Galley is what I would go with, I think. Yeah, I think so. Um I think you're right to highlight the centre-back area because I think with the injury to Ayala, we just need, and we've already got Scott Wharton injured as well, we just need to be careful, don't we? So if Ash Phillips can come in and, you know, blood him in a game against some really good opposition, let's see how good he is against some Premier League players as well. So I think Ash Phillips makes sense just to to protect either Carter or Hyam uh, in a game like that because that would be devastating to lose one of them, you know, going into into the running and and you know, even forward to things like the Burnley game, for example, you know, we've just got to make sure that we've got a fit and rare in squad. Um, the others, yeah, I think Tyler Morton, let's just freshen up that central midfield area and stop any sanctions that Liverpool might want to put on us if he's not playing in games. And Sam Gallagher, I agree up front, you know, two goals. Let's keep his confidence high. Let's keep him hungry. Let's keep him fresh. Uh, and again, this is a chance for him to test himself against some Premier League players. So, yeah, I think you're right for the two reasons that you said. Um, the fans, yes, absolutely. We can't be playing too weak in the side because, you know, as much as it's a competition, we probably think we're not going to win. You still want to be going there thinking that we're going to at least show a good account of ourselves. And then, yeah, I don't think, as you say, we can actually make that many changes anyway with the available squad that we've got. So I think what you've said there, I think, makes sense to me. That's always good. It's always good to, to broken clock is right twice a day or whatever the saying is. Yeah, that is. Yeah, that's good analogy, that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and obviously, as I say, we're speaking to Yondal Thomason for his pre-match press conference a little bit later. So if there is a an injury that I've not mentioned there, that is why we are recording before we speak to him. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting as well for the weekend in terms of what he does with the team, because obviously hoping there's no more injuries to consider. Ben Brereton-Diaz, you would imagine if he was on the bench against QPR going to have the midweek off because he's suspended, he'll be available to come back in on Saturday against Sheffield United, which is, of course, the early kickoff. Sheffield United are second in the championship, look well on course to finish there. Had a little bit of a wobble last week where Middlesbrough closed in on them, but then there was another three-point swing at the weekend with Middlesbrough losing at West Brom and Sheffield United beating Watford at Bramall Lane. So they'll come with good confidence. They'll be back by a good away end as well, so it should be a good atmosphere live on the telly. Does Ben Brereton Diaz come straight back into the team for you? Where does he come straight back into the team? Because the only place really for me would be perhaps for Sober Thomas and Ty Dolan switches to the right. But then equally, does that disrupt the whole system with JRC that's worked so well? I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that he does come straight back in because let's be face it, he's out, he's obviously Rovers one of their best players, definitely the biggest goal threat with Bradley Dack out. But he hasn't been playing fantastically since the World Cup break. Maybe this little injury break will help with that and give him a bit of energy and rejuvenate him. But Sheffield United are a good side. They're going to push the the wide players really far back because they play with a back three and wing backs, which will end up shoving whoever plays on the right and the left quite far back. Do you think Brereton Diaz comes straight back in? The thing I don't want to confuse with this is you know, the stance that the owners have taken to Brereton Diaz, because you could say, okay, if we've not sold him, that means he needs to play every game. So I'm not going to confuse that with the fact in hand, which is he has been looking knackered recently. The squad has been playing well without him. And every single player in this squad has done their time out of this team because they've not been playing well and they've had to earn their place back. 
So I don't want to confuse the fact that we've kept hold of him uh, just to accommodate him in the side just because we've not cashed in on him. No, if he's not playing well and the others are, then he's going to have to come in off the bench. And then the other thing I'll add into that, those wing-backs that you've just highlighted there, I spoke about it um, with the Watford game and, and Mario Gasper getting down that right-hand side. So if they're going to have a right wing-back going up and down that side... actually It'd probably be Jaden Bogle down that Jayden, side. Yeah, really, Jayden Really Bogle. attacking as well. He's essentially a right-winger really playing in that position. I don't want Diaz following him up and down that wing. So if, if there's tactically a way that JDT can free up Diaz so that he's dangerous in those gaps that, you know, Bogle might leave him behind, then fine, play Diaz. But if you're just going to have Diaz on the pitch following Jaden Bogle, then I would just prefer his freshness off the bench to maybe go and attack Sheffield United as the game goes on. So for me, he doesn't walk straight back in. No, I think that I think tactically it makes a lot of sense maybe not to because I think Sorba Thomas naturally will can play right wing back anyway. So if he's tracking Max Lowe probably on that left-hand side, that works in terms of system. It would be very harsh to leave Dolan out at the moment and it would be very mm. harsh to leave um, Sam Gallagher out after scoring a brace. So I, I don't really know. The the only one you could take out is probably Sorba Thomas and move Dolan to the right. I do think that would disrupt the balance a little bit, especially with what we've been talking about with JRC coming inside and Sorba Thomas essentially be giving all that width on the right-hand side. Does Dolan give you that same width? I, I don't think so necessarily. No, and, and we've just been talking about where we want Sam Gallagher on a football pitch. We want him in the six-yard box, picking up the pieces and the scraps. So if you haven't got Sorba Thomas delivering those crosses into the box and, and that creativity that he brings from the right-hand side, then you could make a case, well, it's pointless having Sam Gallagher there unless someone's going to be putting some crosses into the box. So... I think you're right. It does disrupt the flow. And why change a winning formula? You know, it's nine games unbeaten now. So let's just keep the squad hungry and let's keep Brereton Diaz thinking, when am I going to get my place back? So, yeah, absolutely. Score predictions then. Leicester City first up on, on Tuesday night. What are you going for? Mm, it's a tough one with Leicester because they're three points above the relegation zone. If they were a bit clearer, it, the FA Cup might be a competition that they really go for and try and they win. They win it a couple of years ago, though, which might give them a little bit of a... They did, but I'm just wondering, just wondering if Brendan Rodgers might just take the opportunity to freshen up a couple of positions and whether there's an opportunity for Rovers to exploit that. You know, some lads playing for them that that haven't been playing recently, who knows? But make no mistake, the gulf between the Premier League and the Championship is is massive. And Leicester are a well-established Premier League side now with some quality coming off their bench. So I do think Rovers will find it really difficult to win here. Um, it is a ground that we've struggled at in the past as well. So my head will say that Rovers won't win this game. Um, but I'm going to be ruled by my heart and say that Rovers will take it to a replay if replays are happening I don't know what's happening with the FA Cup this season but uh, a draw Elliot two, a draw. Two. I feel like we're going to end up with a situation on this podcast where I don't know if you remember Mark Lorison went like 97 games without predicting <laughs> Liverpool lost would lose a game I feel like every time you go I actually think they're going to lose but I'm going to predict a, a, a draw or a win I feel like we might end up with a situation like that where you're you're 100 games in and Rovers haven't lost yet in your That's my prerogative as a Rovers fan. It, it you can, is. You can be the harsh one. Or harsh, neutral, whichever whichever <laughs> word you prefer. Realist. Um, I actually think they might also go get something. I think if you get... Obviously, it's difficult because we've not spoke to him yet in terms of what sort of strength, what sort of 
um, fitness levels players are at after the weekend, after, you know, it has been a really tough run where they played, this is the third midweek in a row that they've, they've had a game when they played at West Brom, then the weekend, then Blackpool, then the weekend. They've got Sheffield United to come at the weekend. How many times have I said weekend in a period of short yeah, time? Um, run there. Yeah, so it's a lot of it's a lot of games. I think if they go with the sort of team that I've just reeled off, I think they can get something because I think Leicester probably will make some changes. They're not far enough clear in the Premier League, as you've quite rightly pointed out, where they, they can relax and it's all they've got to play for, really. I think someone like James Madison was ill at the weekend. I can't really see him coming in to start. You know, Harvey Barnes has played a lot of football recently. He might be on the bench. So I do think there's an opportunity to maybe get something. So I'm going to go for a one-all draw as well. And then Sheffield United at the weekend, it's going to be a tough game. Mm. What do you think? What's your, what's your heart and head saying? <clears throat> yeah, this it's an interesting one, this. I was just looking at the fixtures at the weekend. So we're, we, we would usually be the early kickoff. Um, but we've got a few things that are going on just before this game. So we've got Luton against Millwall um, tomorrow at the point of recording. So that's massive in the context of the playoffs. Um, and then West Brom away at Hull. So there's a couple of playoff rivals playing before we are the early kickoff and can put some pressure on those sides around us. Luton are at home to Swansea, Millwall at home to Norwich, Sunderland at home to Stoke, so and Watford at home to Preston. So there's some favourable fixtures for the playoff rivals around us, and I do think JDT will know that. So I just wonder if JDT might just set this up to contain Sheffield United and be happy with the draw, just with the quality that they've got. Um, I think they've shown at times that they can be got at. You know, Wrexham got at them, for example, Middlesbrough turned it around at Bramall Lane. I know that they're playing well at the moment, but they are vulnerable. They can be got at. So if we can keep it tight and contain them, maybe we could nick the goal at the end. But mm, I, don't, I can't predict another draw, not after going through draws this season. This is probably the one where I'm more pessimistic compared to Leicester in a weird way. Yeah, um, I agree. Uh, do I do a Lauro and not predict us to lose or do I just... Actually, I'm going to be ruled by my head this time, Elliot. I think it will be a narrow defeat for for us in this one. I'm going to say 1-0. I think we're going to try and contain. And I think Sheffield United might be the ones that nick it. Yeah, I think similarly, I think I think Sheffield United probably, well, they obviously go in as favourites. They've, they've got a really good squad. They're in good form over, you know, over a long stretch. I know they had a wobble last week, but... I think a point would be obviously fantastic. But then again, they went to Watford and got a point. They went to West Brom and yep. got a point. So they can, you know, nullify these teams. Whether they'll be slightly roared on by a home crowd, which might make them be a little bit more positive, which could leave gaps, maybe. I- I'm going to go for a 2-1 Sheffield United win, I think. But it really wouldn't surprise me if Rovers did get something from this game. Yeah. So I'm going to go for um, one all on Tuesday night and 2-1 at the weekend to Blaze. What, what You just said draw, didn't you, for midweek? What, what score are you having? I said two all in the Leicester game and then I've said one nil Sheffield United. Right, Ryan, we'll round off now with our Rovers riddle for this week. You had a very good week last week. You got both. First time you've had a full house. Yeah, turning on smug mode. So um, I was very happy with that. The One of them I got straight away when you said it last week. And then the other one I eventually got, you know, after a few minutes of just thinking about it. So for the listeners' benefit, it was who, where, why, when. And the answer was, Ryan? Tony Watt. And then why don't you come on over... 
Patrick Valerie. Excellent. So the first time Ryan's got a full house. And then this week's Rover's Riddle, the number number one, a cup of coffee at the hotel. That's number one. And number two is the Welsh Saint was feeling down. So those are this week's Rover's Riddles. Make sure you have a go and tweet us at Inside Broccoli and let us know how you get on. Ryan will, of course, rack his brain for the next 24 hours and it's a good start and then let us know on next week's podcast how we got on and that marks the end of this week's podcast thank you for listening as always make sure you're following us on twitter at inside broccoli and make sure you are subscribed to the podcast in your chosen app wherever that may be thank you for listening and we'll speak again next week for another episode of the inside broccoli podcast